What's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Backup Fantasy Sports. It is Monday, April 25th, 2022. I'm your host, Ewan Leith, and today we will be talking about some F1 fantasy with the Imola Grand Prix winners and losers episode. Uh, In today's episode, I'll be going over qualifying, sprint, the race, then getting into winners and losers, going over my team, And then what is up next on the F1 calendar? So it was a action-packed weekend in Italy this weekend with qualifying on Friday, then the sprint race on Saturday to set up the grand finale with an extremely entertaining race on Sunday afternoon. On Friday in qualifying, we had a lot of unexpected results. Some crashes, some spins, some twirls, all that fun stuff that the rain in Imola provided for us. So Alexander Albon saw his car go poof in Q1. And Esteban Alcon, Nicholas Latifi, Yuki Sonoda, and Pierre Gasly all went out in Q1 as well. Moving on to Q2, Carlos Sainz was setting some terrific times, but he went into the wall he qualified for Q3, but he could not. He put some major damage on his front left tire and was pretty much just automatically in 10th place for Q3. Had no chance of getting a time in there. Both Mercedes went out in Q2. It was the first time since the 2012 Japan Grand Prix where Mercedes didn't have a single one of their single silver arrows reach Q3. So their struggles continue. Mick Schumacher, Lance Stroll, and Joe Guan Yu joined the Mercedes pair going out in Q2 as well. But what does that mean? That meant K-Mag was back in Q3. Once again, he qualified top 10 for the sprint. Fantastic result. Top 4, actually. And Charles Leclerc and Max Verstappen continued their battle for the championship, which wasn't so much of a battle after the first three weeks, but Max put it all on the line this weekend and came out on top. So that gave us Max, Charles, Lando, Norris, Kevin Magnuson, Fernando Alonso, Daniel Ricciardo, Sergio Perez, Valtteri Bottas, Sebastian Vettel, and Carlos Sainz as our top 10 heading into the sprint race on Saturday. And how the sprint race worked was last year it was three points for first, two points for second, one point for third. But this year they upped it. So first place got eight points, second place got seven points, all the way down to eighth place getting one point. So there was a lot on the line on Saturday and it was some fantastic racing. Charles Leclerc got out to a fantastic start. He beat Max Verstappen to the first corner and... That was it for the majority of the race until the second to last lap where Max finally got Leclerc and he took home all Max eight points on Saturday's sprint race. Leclerc after the race was actually complaining that he pushed a little too hard and it caused some graining on his front tire and it slowed him down and that's how Max managed to pip Leclerc to the pole on Sunday's race. Some other results from the sprint were Mercedes got bogged down again. 
there was a lot of poor poison bouncing up and down going on in the Ferraris, but it all came down. Mercedes were not good with Russell coming in 11th, Lewis Hamilton in 13th or 14th, I believe. And our starting grid looked like Max Charles, Sergio Perez came in third in the sprint, so great result for him. Carlos Sainz, Lando Norris, Daniel Ricciardo, Valtteri Bottas, and Kevin Magnussen got in the points. So then it was on to Sunday. Long recap, qualifying sprint and race recap all in the first five minutes here. So it was wild as Perez and Norris both passed Leclerc in the first turn. And Leclerc was in some serious trouble for a little bit there. And then there was a huge collision between Daniel Ricciardo and Carlos Sainz on the first lap. Sainz goes out again, second straight race with a DNF for the Spanish driver. Looked like he tried to get back on track, but he beached his car, spun the back tires, and it was game over for him. I never saw it on the broadcast. Maybe I just looked away, but Fernando Alonso also suffered some damage that caused him to retire. There was a wild camera angle of him with Lewis Hamilton driving side by side, and Alonso's side pod just pops right off the racetrack. So he couldn't do anything to get that repaired and saw his Sunday come to an early end, just like Carlos signed. Daniel Ricciardo was actually able to get back on the racetrack. He just couldn't do anything for the rest of the day. Eventually, Charles Leclerc passed Lando Norris to move up to third on like the ninth lap. Kevin Magnussen was defending brilliantly from George Russell at the same time. Russell eventually passed him and finished fourth on the day, which was a terrific result for Mercedes, considering that Lewis Hamilton once again finished outside the top 10. And after the race, he declared his world championship hopes dead in the water. Just don't even worry about it. Like his car right now seems to be struggling to even get to Q3 to get in the points. I'm not sure what the difference is between what he has and what Russell has right now. Because with a fourth place finish yesterday, George Russell is now the only driver to finish top five in all four races this season, which is pretty wild considering Charles and Max are all the way at the top there in the driver's championship standings. There was some shenanigans going on in the pit stop here. I think most cars pitted around lap 19, lap 20. Valtteri Bottas had a horrible pit stop that possibly cost him fourth place ahead of George Russell. He finished fifth on the day, so we'll, they'll have to go back and see what happened there. I think it was the gun on the front right wheel just got stuck, and it just was not a great pit stop for him. Esteban Ocon and Lewis Hamilton nearly collided in the pit lane. Ocon got a five-second time penalty for that, not that it really mattered, as Hamilton was bogged down by Pierre Gasly and Alexander Albon all day. Gasly could never get past Albon, and Hamilton could never get past Gasly. It was uh, the Sky broadcast watched that battle for about 10 straight laps, and it was the same thing over and over again. With Hamilton being in a good position on the straight in turn one and just could never get past the Alpha Tauri, which 
is not a great sign. I mean, his car has to be faster than the Alpha Tauri, so I'm not sure what's going on. He must feel super uncomfortable in that car. And I mean, Lewis Hamilton's the most expensive driver in the Fantasy F1 game right now, and he is just completely off the board. There is no reason for him to be in your team at the moment. Fast forward a little bit. Big story for the first half of the race was no DRS through like 28, 30 laps. They thought the conditions on the track were too wet, so they didn't want drivers getting DRS and made for some not super exciting racing. And it finally opened up and things got back on track here. There was some pit stopping going on again. Charles Leclerc was trying to get fastest lap, but the Red Bulls instantly came in to counter that and Verstappen eventually got fastest lap back. But Leclerc was pushing. He was catching Sergio Perez. He was creeping up on him, but he went too hard. And on lap 54, he took a huge bounce off the first corner of the chicane and just went right into the wall. He somehow managed to recover it. He only damaged his front wing. He immediately pitted, came out into ninth, and was just on the back foot for the final 10 laps of the race. He eventually got all the way back up to sixth place just because the Ferrari is such a great car this year. But he could have had a podium. It was in the bag. There was no reason for him to push. In the long term of things, like obviously you want to perform better in front of your home crowd. The Tifosi, as I learned this weekend, great word for the Italian fans of Ferrari. So that was unfortunate for Charles and just compounded a pretty disappointing weekend for Ferrari. But the benefit of Charles Leclerc's mistake was Lando Norris, who just found himself on podium. Just McLaren taking it all, just not... They're not expecting anything, and they keep getting these fantastic results. So it might be time to believe in McLaren because even despite Lando and Daniel being down on the car going into this weekend, still getting a podium, still finishing double points in the sprint, like you gotta gotta tip your hat to those guys in the garage for getting that car back up to where they want it to be after a disastrous Bahrain. But yeah. Valtteri Bottas and George Russell were battling to the death about with three laps to go, but Bottas could just never get by. Max won by about 16 seconds. Sergio finished second. Norris on the podium. Maximum points for Red Bull this weekend. And it was a fantastic three-day stretch for them. Woo! Hopefully that recap was extensive enough there. And now we will move on to the winners and the losers. So there's nowhere to start with the winners except with Red Bull. Maximum points for Mr. Max Verstappen. He came in with a big old gap to Charles Leclerc, and he could, it was. Everyone had Ferrari as the favorites for the weekend. What were they going to do? How was Red Bull going to counter? And they came out firing with Max just winning qualifying, winning the sprint. And now he finds himself 27 points behind Charles Leclerc, which still a big gap. But you got to say that 
Ferrari had a chance to slam the door. Maybe not slam the door after four races. That's a little, like, presumptuous. But, like, they could have had one hand on a lot of silverware if they had a big weekend like Red Bull had this week. But it was not meant to be. So, yeah, Red Bull were in total control the entire weekend. We were assured before the race weekend that their reliability issues seemed to have been fixed. It was something to do with the fuel system, like the bouncing on the car from the new regulations was causing the fuel system to come loose or be disjointed somehow. So those looked very much under control. And I don't even think Max broke a sweat on Sunday afternoon, even like in his victory lap around the track, you heard him on the team radio being like, wow, what a, what a lovely Sunday afternoon. And that's what it was for Red Bull. I mean, with Perez coming in second as well, third in the sprint, they were, yeah, with Perez coming third, they were, if they had finished second, they would have taken maximum points out of the entire weekend. But with Max getting the sprint win, race win, and fastest lap, that is a tremendous boost to his bounce back hopes for the championship Perez found his second podium of the year for Checo. He is a very strong fantasy option right now. I think once Charles Leclerc goes over the 20 million mark, if he goes over the 20 million mark, that will be actually something that we need to watch going forward. But Perez is probably going to be my favorite option as the turbo driver and it depends. It could be signs, but Perez just right now looking very strong. I'm just checking the prices to see if any there's been any major movement overnight after this Grand Prix, but doesn't look like it. Charles is still sitting there at 18.8, so it'll be interesting to see how that goes. George Russell is almost he's 96% of the way to getting up to 24 million, but. Yeah, I think by Miami, we could be looking at Max Verstappen as the most expensive racer as Lewis Hamilton is about to drop down to 30.3, and that's where Max is right now. So with the momentum of the Imola Grand Prix at his back, Max Verstappen could be the most expensive driver in the F1 fantasy game. So yeah, it was also the first 1-2 for Red Bull since 2016 Malaysia. And I think they're just a very strong fantasy option right now. And I think they're ascent over this weekend at Imola is a big factor in whether F1 managers should activate their wild card to try and play the budget game as they head into Miami and see if they can get more Red Bull into their lineup. I know I have Sergio Perez right now. I'm feeling a little bit exposed only having him in my team. Second winner has to be Lando Norris. I mean, he was saying before the weekend that Australia was just a track result. They know which ones are going to be good for them, which ones are going to be bad for them. He didn't specifically say where Imola fell in that good or bad track range, but I'm going to go with good. I mean, fourth place in the sprint, or fifth place in the sprint, a podium finish on race day. He was right up there in FP1 as well on Friday. He seems to enjoy and kind of thrive in the rainy conditions as a driver. And it was very hit or miss with the weather all weekend. So it was it was a little tough to like know if Sunday was going to be wet or dry. And it was there was a lot of spray out in the track for the first part. And then 
it dried up a lot. And yeah, it was very tricky to judge this weekend. But Lando was um, very good this weekend. He's now scored points in three consecutive races after the disastrous Bahrain that I think we need to put in our rearview mirror now. Like that seems like the outlier performance for McLaren at this point. And I feel confident in them moving forward. I made what in hindsight was a mistake of moving from Norris down to Alonso on Friday morning in my lineup. And I bought into the Alpine hype. I said it on the preview podcast on Friday morning. And it did not pay off for me. It cost me a lot of points as Fernando Alonso came in with, I think it was seven points. Let me just check here. Two points in Imola. So not not great, Bob, as he had a second DNF for him as well. No, not second DNF. Let's see. Australia. No. Yeah. He did finish the race, but it was just not a great... Uh, he didn't finish in Saudi Arabia. That's what happened, yes. So, Alonso, yeah, he's 37% of the way to a 0.1 decrease at this point. So, I need to watch for that to make sure that I don't get burned there and lose some budget. But yeah, I think Norris may be creeping into a better version of Carlos Sainz here. Like, if I can take the savings on car on Lando from signs and then have some McLaren, some Ferrari, some Red Bull. Like it, it's going to be interesting to see how I can manipulate this budget here. That's why I'm thinking about activating my wild card on the fifth race of the season. And Lando's definitely in my thoughts, which makes him the second winner of this weekend. And the final winner Aston Martin, first points of the weekend. Both drivers scored, looked pretty strong. Hopefully this is a sign of things to come because it's very cool to see that car just whizzing around the track. Sebastian Vettel looked a lot more comfortable in the car this weekend. I mean, I think a lot of people forget that it's only his second race of the year. He missed the first two due to COVID and he was just kind of getting laps in the car in Australia, but he already looked a lot better this weekend and I'm not sure they're a fantasy option right now. I still like he's uh Vettel is still 11.5 and Lance Stroll is just like in this weird like he's 9 million but Bottas is 9.4, Yuki Tsunoda is 8.4, Magnussen is 6. Like there's just I'd much rather have any of those drivers than Lance Stroll. And honestly, just not like a big personal fan of Lance Stroll for some reason. Like, oh, I finally finished Drive to Survive. Very well done. Um, final episode. It actually made me feel like good that Red Bull won, which is not what I was expecting. But uh, it was great to kind of see that all wrapped up. But yeah, so Aston Martin back to it they were strong this weekend great bounce back performance after a bad australia and hopefully they can get out of the bottom of the pack and join the midfield as they've now passed williams in the constructors championship and 
they will look to take that on. Where did they end up here? Yeah, so they're now third after getting some points in the sprint. And yesterday in the race, they are ninth with five points ahead of Williams's one. Whew. So that was the winners. Red Bull, Lando Norris, Aston Martin. Now on to the not-so-fun part with the losers. And just like there was only one place to start with the winners in Red Bull, there's only one place to start in the losers, and that has to be the boys in red, Ferrari. Honestly, I think they bottled the entire weekend in front of the home crowd. It was another early race exit for Carlos Sainz. Not his fault this time, like just some collisions and very bad luck there, but that's back-to-back DNFs for the newly extended Carlos Sainz. He also went into the gravel in Q2, into the wall, major damage to the car. So he was kind of fighting an uphill battle in the sprint on Saturday. If he had been closer to the front, could he have had another top three finish? He still finished in the first two rows, so that's great, obviously, but you never know, like finishing 10th and ninth in Australia in qualifying cost him. He was pushing and it cost him there. And then you never know the domino effect of a bad qualifying result. Charles looked super strong as well. There was one point where they had an overhead shot of the Ferrari during the broadcast and it looked like a video game with the way he was handling the car through that chicane and the corners. It was like, it didn't even look like it lifted off the track a tiny bit. And he caught up so much to Perez. I was like, Oh, he's definitely finishing second. And like, if he can get away, like this could be an interesting race. Cause I think it was about only 25 laps in, but his aggression at the end cost him major points. He was looking at his another podium, fourth straight podium to start the year. And the aggression definitely cost cost him. They've left the door wide open for Red Bull to get back into this championship race now. I would not be surprised if there's going to be a lot of talk over the next two weeks heading into Miami. It's the first time in Miami, like, press is going to be off the chain with, like, the game, the sport has been has become so popular over the pandemic in America that there's going to be a lot of attention on Ferrari and Red Bull, which is going to be very interesting to see how Charles Leclerc and Carlos Sainz handle this as Max Verstappen, Christian Horner, Sergio Perez, they went through a whole championship battle last year. I'm wondering where their experience starts to kick in. As for the F1 fantasy angle here, the Ferrari triple up looked invincible coming into this weekend. I'm not sure if it's still there. Like I was mentioning earlier, like, feel a little exposed only having Sergio Perez as the only member of the Red Bull team here. So activating the wild card, as I've mentioned several times now, is very much at the forefront of my mind as I might need to get around here and maybe get signs out, bring Norris in. Is there a way to get up to max? Like, I don't think I can sacrifice Charles right now, but we'll see. We'll see what people are saying as more quotes come out after this race and before Miami. Second loser is seven-time world champion Lewis Hamilton declaring himself out of the title race. I mean, Mercedes don't even, like, his car doesn't look 
drivable at this point. It's, he couldn't get past Pierre Gasly and Alexander Albon yesterday. If for some reason he's still in your F1 team, sell, sell, sell. The thing is, it's confusing because Russell has four top five finishes. Like I said earlier, he's the only, George Russell is the only racer among the 21 that have gone in a car this year to finish top five in every race. So I'm not sure what's going on in Lewis's side of the garage. There's going to be plenty of talk about is Mercedes like DOA right now heading into Miami as they were still heavily favored to do well this year coming in, but through four races, it looks bad and it's not getting better. That's the weird thing. Like McLaren getting better. Aston Martin getting better. Haas still looking pretty strong. Uh, I don't know what's going on with Mercedes. Toto Wolf needs to put on his black turtleneck and do some Darth Vader mind tricks to the garage. If they want to do if they want to just not be downright embarrassed in this season, I mean, they still find themselves third in the Constructors' Championship, but, like, they are 47 points off Ferrari right now, and that gap is only going to continue to grow as the season moves along. Final loser here. Feel bad, but... The Frenchman in his hometown race for his constructor, I guess, Pierre Gasly, didn't make out a Q1 on Friday. No sprint points. His teammate, Yuki Tsunoda, managed a seventh place finish on Saturday or uh, on Sunday. And I have no idea what was going on with him. This He looked pretty down in the post-race comments interview. Uh, he was held up behind Alexander Albon all day. He did not seem to have a fun weekend. Uh, other losers I could have mentioned. I mean, I don't know. There wasn't a ton going. Esteban Ocon lost a lot of momentum this weekend. Um, he was looking really good, but he had some engine problems or a power unit had to be replaced right before Friday's free practice. So I wonder if that has cost him some momentum there, but he's fallen out of the streaks now. Um, but yeah, Pierre Gasly, Ferrari, and Lewis Hamilton are my losers for the Imola Grand Prix. Just a quick recap for my team. Leclerc was my turbo driver. Carlos Sainz, disappointing once again. Perez was awesome. Alonso, man, still so unlucky. Like, I want to keep believing in him because he's been driving so well. I mean, fifth place for the sprint and just, I don't know. At some point, the results are going to have to trump the feeling but i still believe that alonso and alpine have some good drives in them this year uh ferrari is my constructor and kevin magnuson was once again fantastic for six million dollars 18 points for k mag beat his teammate q3 again qualified in fourth got a sprint point Finished in ninth, so just getting so many points for Haas this weekend, like that's got to feel good for them after their disastrous 2021. And with Kevin Magnussen just coming into the car like two weeks before the season even started, he's had a fantastic start. I'm, I am for uh, if this was a drinking game, I would 
be drunk, but for the fifth or sixth time, I'm mentioning that the wild card is probably getting activated. I'm going to keep an eye on these prices today and tomorrow, see if we're getting close to some major price swings going on. But yeah, I think it was, I think it was about the Wednesday after Australia, there were some crazy price jumps in the game. So you really have to keep your eye on that. If you are thinking about activating the wild card like I am, but I know while I'm still like 60, 40 on the wild card, I will definitely be activating the mega driver on Charles Leclerc for Miami. He's got a qualifying streak. He's got a race streak. And even though he was super aggressive and cost himself a podium on Sunday, I still think he's definitely going to get Q3 qualifying. He's definitely going to like finish top 10. And I, I don't have any problem playing that this early in the game after five races, especially with a guy on double streaks. And he's the only one that it's kind of lining up that way to be that right now. Like Carlos Sainz has a qualifying streak. Perez has a qualifying streak. But yeah, no one else is really coming close. I think I have it here. In another document. Yeah, Charles is the only one with four races and four qualifyings. Um, Max, Charles, Carlos, Sergio, Fernando, all on four for the qualifying. And in the race, it's only George and Charles right now who have finished in the top 10. So that was a quick wrap-up of the Imola Grand Prix. Miami is next in two weeks. No sprint. First time in Miami, so that's going to be great. Looking forward to it, but I'll have that preview podcast out sometime next week. But once again, thanks for listening. You can follow the podcast on Apple, Spotify, Google, all those fun places, and I will talk to you next time.